Hey everyone, and welcome to another edition of AUSU Open Mic Podcast. This podcast is officially uh, like a podcast takeover. Yeah. I've got Duncan Wotasek with me today. And, and I'm often here, but I'm, I'm kind of more of a support usually. Yeah, and, what I, and we've been wanting to do this for a long time. Probably two years. Yeah, easily <laughs> where it's just the two of us sit down. Yeah. And we're going to talk about some AU stuff. We're going to talk about some AUSU stuff. And then we're going to throw some other random topics in the middle there. But um, like I said, we've been wanting to do this for a while. Yeah. Yeah, we have. I'm looking forward to this. I am too. First of all, let's do some introductions. Um, Duncan, although everybody knows uh, knows you, just throw me an elevator speech of, of what you do here. Sure, sure. So my name is Duncan Wintasek. I'm full-time staff here at AUSU, and I do two and a half jobs. Uh, job number one, I support our committees and our council. So you guys elect a council every two years that makes the big decisions around here, and I make sure that they have the information to do it, and that the meetings themselves run smoothly, that they have Zoom and links, and that everybody can get access to the meeting. So that's one, and I do that for our committees as well. Yeah. And two, yeah. I provide advice to our executive team on how to handle their external relations, whether that's with the university administration or governments across Canada. I come from a background of political science and, and politics, so I have a bit of knowledge when it comes to that, and it's really important that your student leaders have the knowledge to represent you to those groups. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Oh, and also I take care of the podcast, which is like my third, my my, well, my two and a half part job. Yeah, I mean you have, I mean the amount of policy support that you provide uh, throughout the organization as well. Mm. Uh, I mean there's a there's a lot of other little things that happen. There is. I'm not bored. That's for sure. <laughs> well, and the other thing I'm going to throw out there, Duncan, is that. Um, Obviously, as uh, as the executive director of AUSU, we're very lucky to have you. Um, your wealth and breadth of knowledge in this industry uh, makes us better. And um, I can't say it enough that um, whether you're working with the executive teams, mentoring them, uh, you know, working within the university environment or just helping us out here within the students union and the rest of the staff. Like today, I'm helping us move. Exactly. You see, you just, we're just we're better because of you, and so I think we're very lucky to have you. Oh, thanks, Jody. Wouldn't it be a takeover if I didn't reverse it and say, what do you do other than direct us at an executive level? Yes, um, I think for the longest time, you know, a lot of the folks that are in my position within a student union are referred to as general managers, yeah. and and my running joke was that I manage generally. Yeah. <laughs> um, and which is a skill set, I might say. You know, sure. There's uh, there's a lot of us that are that are in roles such as this um, that have the ability to lead teams, to mentor student leaders, uh, and to do that in a way that encompasses the entire organization. I think as an executive director, you need to have those types of skills. Yeah. Um, you know, I know that I, I host the podcast with you many, many times, and so you might you know recognize my voice. Uh, but again, my name is Jody Campbell, and I'm your executive director. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I do, uh, and so it's I'm not sure if I would bore our listeners with the full <laughs> list of uh, of everything. But when you when you when you really look at the organization, um, our counselors are at the top of our food chain, yeah, and, as well as our executive team, and they hire one staff member, and that's me. Uh, the rest of the staff are hired by myself, and um, are basically under my purview. And so when you when you look at what the role of an executive director is within an organization like ours, um, man, it, it is it is deep. Uh, whether it's uh, the, looking after the financial oversight of the organization, uh, managing staff, uh, there's HR functions within that, um, looking after the day-to-day -day operations and, and making sure that we continue to thrive like we are. I've told you this before many times, I'm a coach at heart. Mm -hmm. So I love coaching people. I love working with the student leaders and with council. Um, and of course, uh, working with you guys and the rest of the staff and doing what we do. And there's not too many people that can actually say that when I go to work, what I do matters. Mm. Um, you know, and, and another life, I'll be a brain surgeon or something like that and, and, and help heal people. But in many ways, what we do matters to AU students, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of students don't know what we do, and that's okay, And but there's a lot that do engage with us on a regular basis, and, and I would hope that what we do here within the students, you mean, 
uh, you know, has a huge impact on their life while they're going through their academic career here at AU. Yeah. And um, I always find that to be a really cool element of what we do. No, that's good. I mean, I think the coach analogy works well. You know, the coach isn't the one who necessarily scores the goals. They're not on the field. But you definitely know that yeah. they're a part of it. And they're not management either. I mean, you and I, I mean, listeners, there's a lot of hockey and sports analogies when Jody and I get talking. And we were talking about Moneyball earlier. And, like, that's you. You're the, yeah. you're the manager. You're not the guy who's, uh, you know, throwing the pitch. Um, you're not management making the big decisions of how many millions of dollars are we going to spend over the next 10 years. We, I mean, that is our council's job. But you're the one to take those components and turn it into a winning team. Yeah, and I think when you when you look at how that happens, um, guess what? Our students on council get to set a vision. Yeah. Uh, we create a strategic plan that encompasses all the different multiple facets of the organization. And at that point in time, we have a mission and vision, and, and it's really about um, steering the ship. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's about stewarding that ship. Uh, in a responsible way and making sure that what we do is a, a true reflection of what our student leaders want us to do. And and I guess that's the biggest task that we have is making sure that we're constantly meeting those needs. Yeah. And i got to be honest with you, I think we do a great job. Oh, I do too. Hopefully this isn't the day though where you decide to shake it up by trading me <laughs> over to like yeah. Lethbridge for, well, what did you trade him for? It was like pop and a... And a I want I want you to pay for my soda and and another ball player. Yeah, yeah, I want you to make sure that all of our players have soda in the pop machine for the entire year. Yeah. Uh, anyways, um, you know what? Hopefully that's not our last movie reference too, because you're absolutely mm -hmm. right. We tend to reference a lot of sports analogies and, and movies, so yeah. for our listeners, maybe just stay tuned for that. <laughs> um, well, thanks for the introduction. I like I said, we've got a couple of topics here. There's a ton happening within the student union right now, mm -hmm. and of course, a lot happening within the university environment here at Athabasca University as well. Um, we're moving. We are. Which is, I mean, you referenced it earlier, but um, we've had a physical space in downtown Edmonton uh, for a number of years. Uh, before a couple that, of decades, really. Yeah. yeah. Before that, we were actually with uh, AU in some space that they've got here in Edmonton. Mm -hmm. And then we sort of squeezed out a little bit with uh, the amount of space and stuff that we were requiring, and plus we were growing. Yeah. Um, and so we eventually got our own office just off of Jasper Avenue, downtown Edmonton. And due to COVID-19... Um, we've been working from home and of course throughout the pandemic the office has been empty yep. outside of being a really great podcast office <laughs> whenever we needed to uh, record a podcast but um, throughout the last year now year and a couple of days actually um, both myself and the staff have been working from home uh, in a work from home environment and um, yeah that pivot in how we operate was a big change. It was. I think there's a lot of our listeners that would be able to relate to what that's been like. But, um, Duncan, for you, knowing that you and I have worked together for a number of years, mm -hmm. um, what was that like when suddenly we're like, okay, you know what, we're going to shut the office down, and, and now you're you're setting up a home office? You know, I, I divide it into two. Um, the, the initial moment, you know, when... We went, we left work on a Friday and over the weekend we realized, and I mean, remember how naive we were then? We were like, yeah, like we're not, we're probably not going to go to the office for a couple weeks. Uh, I literally uh, said to everybody, you know what? Take a couple weeks worth of work home. Oh yeah. No, I remember you and I were talking and it was like, do we meet every day? How many days notice do we say before we just like, we go back yeah. into work? Um, so initially, what was it? I, I set myself up with uh you know a laptop off the side of my at home desk and you know endless distractions but i didn't know it at the time because in part i didn't know how long we were going to be there yeah yeah uh i knew i relished in some parts of the new freedom i had i didn't have a commute every morning i mean i'm, I'm not gonna lie that was a huge bonus like yeah. my my alarm went off a full hour later okay <laughs> like i've only got to look presentable from the waist up and I don't got to drive anywhere. So that was that was its first, like, you know, th those I've initial been... stages were, had some euphoria as well as some drawbacks. I was used to printing things and instantaneously it would be there beside me. And I was always used to, I could interrupt somebody 
beside me and get someone else's opinion on something. Whereas now I had to call. I didn't know what they were doing at the time. I'm not interrupting, asking how you write, you know, like how you justify something in a Word document. And by justify, I mean like making the margins correct. I'm not talking about making it allowable. How I would usually just pound on Jody's wall and be like, hey, how do you do this? Whereas now I'm like, oh, do I do I interrupt him? So there was some getting used to. Um, and then there was also all that personal stuff that I know our students can, you're going, you, most of you listening to my voice are probably studying at home, especially now that it's COVID. Your workspace is also a space where you live in. It's also a space where you have fun in. It might be a space where you have to work in. So how do you tie all those things together? And that was, that was probably come May and June. That was the real struggle of realizing like everything I do is in this very small space of, of stuff and I've got to segment my life. I've got to make it so I'm not thinking about work all the time. That was a big deal though. I mean, oh yeah. I like like I was working from my kitchen table for almost a month mm-hmm. before I'm like, do you know what? I I think that I actually need to set something up a little bit more permanent here. And of course working at your kitchen table, uh, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to isn't ideal. Like no, it's having not. A, an ergonomic space to be able to work in mm-hmm. is, and be able to have everything readily available, uh, you know, to be able to do your work. Um, so yeah, that was a real challenge. And, it was. Um, if there was anything that I really miss, it was that those hallway conversations. The, mm-hmm. the to what you say, you know, you know, banging on the wall. Or for you and I, we don't have to bang. We can literally just talk normal because our <laughs> walls are super thin here in our office. But um, that ability for us to be able to collaborate mm-hmm. uh, is something that I just find so special within our organization and suddenly we lost it it wasn't lost completely but it was that quick and instant you know uh satisfaction of being hey you know what hey jamie like what's happening over here can i get a hand with that or hey duncan like i'm sending this document over you'll have it in two seconds Mm -hmm. um and so missing out on that was was something that i felt right away um but i will also agree with you on the perks like (laughs) i live you know, South Edmonton, which means that I was easily upwards of hour and 20 minutes to an hour and a half a day driving mm. and uh, and now not having to do that. So um, I don't forget about those things. And if there was anything that I would ever say about this experience for us and the rest of the staff is is a high level of gratitude that we have felt. Oh, for uh, sure. That we're not in an industry that was so hugely affected that we couldn't transition to work from home, mm-hmm. that we were still getting paid, you know, that we were able to sort of operate the organization in a way uh, without losing our jobs. You know what I mean? Yeah, losing our jobs and also like losing what we were doing for students. You know, yeah. I, I have a lot of, I mean, I'm sure everybody has friends who transitioned to going at home, but they their job was no longer what they were doing when they were at the office. Whereas yeah. I was still serving students, like no matter what way I cut it, that still was my, my core job, whether it was as benign as sending out minutes or as important as preparing an executive for uh, an important meeting with a decision maker, like those parts of my job also stayed intact. So not only was my, and I, I am incredibly appreciative that that my employment continued, but also what I was doing still mattered and yeah. mattered in exactly the same way. I know when I thought about too, I. I had greater appreciation for our students who who are all studying from home or in a, you know, an isolated environment. And they were long before we had ever heard of COVID-19 was that self-discipline. I knew things, your home is filled with endless distractions. Yeah. Some of it good, some of it not, not productive. Um, But like, you know, it's easy to distract yourself with having to do laundry. It's easy to distract yourself with, do you know what I'm going to do today? I'm going to make the world's perfect grilled cheese. And that's going to be my task for my lunch today. I now have that greater appreciation for our students who do all those things, study at home with all those possible distractions and still get it done. Yeah. With with the cries of mom, mom, exactly. Dad, dad, exactly. Happening in the background as well. So Mm -hmm. um, yeah, hundred percent. I agree with you too, that it, it certainly, I can relate to AU students now more that we more now that we've had mm-hmm. that experience mm-hmm. of working from home and and you know being surrounded with those distractions at the same time so yeah. um we certainly got better at it oh for sure i'm, yeah. I'm infinitely better at it now than i was i mean my Me work too. my workstation is much more ergonomically i mean you talk about ergonomics and it sounds like it's a 
you know, something that isn't important until you no longer have it. Yeah. And, you know, at work I have, I have students who have provided me with a desk and a chair that supports my back. And then when I, when you move to home and suddenly that's not necessarily your setup, I have a greater appreciation for that. And, and yeah, I have, I have a task list that is more geared towards, you know, between this time and this time, this is when the work stuff gets done. And here's where you're going to schedule your personal stuff. Like it, I used to segment my life more by my physical location. I'm at work, so I'm going to do work things. I'm at home, so I'm going to do home things. And then as those worlds were bleeding together, I, I realized that I would need to take a new approach to making sure that I segmented my life well enough that I I got stuff done, but I also didn't let stuff preoccupy me. I mean, certainly that yeah. was what I found is I was thinking about work at the beginning of the pandemic. I was thinking about work at 8 p.m. and then I would be distracted when I was actually at work at 9 a.m. by other stuff. And I was like, yeah. okay, the work stress has got to live within these hours and I got to deal with my personal stuff after. <laughs> yeah, and I, I definitely realized that my ability to drive home Mm -hmm. uh, was an opportunity to maybe decompress from a busy day. Yeah. My ability to drive home and just turn some tunes on or listen to the hockey game uh, on the way home was a way for me to separate mm -hmm. the work from home. And um, I think that's something that we've talked about as a staff. And I think, and again, our listeners and our AU students are very aware of this, that finding that segment between, okay, not only do I have this mind... Uh, brain capacity for what I'm doing and, and separating things, but my physical space also applies Yeah, and being able to separate that. So it was definitely something that both my wife and I had to work through because she's working down the hallway. Uh, she closed her <laughs> office as well. Um, so although it was nice to be able to have that time together, we were also trying to figure out, okay, um, brain space for work, uh, physical space for work, and then also brain space and physical space for, you know, being at home. So Mm -hmm. um, we're going to pivot just slightly here because part of our experience has also been the challenge of continuing to do what we need to do while meeting the new challenges of AU students along the way. Um, and definitely meeting uh, those challenges uh, during a pandemic, which mm -hmm. was, uh, was very interesting for us. So a um, couple things that pop into my mind, uh, obviously, changing up how our services are offered, how do we connect with students, mm -hmm. uh, building community. Mm -hmm. And uh, I feel like it, it took us a little bit to sort of figure out, okay, this is actually going to be longer than just a couple months. <laughs> yeah. Because in the beginning, we didn't think we were going to have to do anything. Uh, but then as soon as we got into it a little bit, it's like, hey, okay, let's actually look at this from a creative standpoint and think outside the box and figure out something as simple as, you know, creating an LGBTQ discord, yeah. uh, which has recently happened and building community in, uh, in that realm. Uh, we've started to incorporate um, uh, AUSU Nights, mm -hmm. uh, which is another great event-based uh, thing that we're doing, which is primarily being uh, an opportunity for students to be able to come online, come onto a Zoom call, you join up with a trivia night, uh, actually, the last event was uh, was music trivia yeah. and named that tune. So we had a blast doing that. Um, it was also also funny watching people slowly get comfortable with the, <laughs> with our with everybody that was participating. And next yeah. thing you know, people are like singing along and chair dancing and stuff. So we had an absolute riot. Oh, that's awesome. So those are the couple of things that we've started to do. And of course, our programs and services have been no different as well. And maybe the virtual food assistance program is a good example of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, how we're going to reach out to students in this time. I mean, certainly the needs our students have in their lives right now have, has grown dramatically, as well as our student base has grown, unlike every other institution in Canada, yeah, where we have more enrollment as students are choosing to go either back to university, but do it online or to take a break from their, their in-person studies in a, and choose a safer environment in Athabasca or choose an environment that has been dedicated to online learning for decades rather than, I don't want to say a haphazard approach done at other institutions, but nevertheless, AU has been been delivering online content and online curricula for, for years, whereas some other institutions did it for the very first time last March. Yeah. Um, so we've had that stress. And, and I mean, the virtual food assistance program is a good example of how could we as a students union provide a food bank 
Um, we saw some, it's a very common service at other brick and mortar institutions. And we, yeah, saw, we saw those institutions pivot to like, we know our students are hungry because there's, there's less employment, there's less resources. And, but, you know, the food bank is a, often a physical space. Like, you know, people bring in jars of spaghetti sauce and over time we give it to people who need it. So how do we transition that? And for us, it had additional things of, you know, not all our students are here in Athabasca or in Edmonton. Yeah. So we got to deliver it out into the world. Um, so yeah, it is, it is a pilot program. You can go on our website and, and apply if it's something you think you're going to need. Um, I mean, we certainly found, you know, it's one of those programs that is successful in the sense that far more people need it than, than, than the program currently has capacity to give. But um, I'm also really proud that we found a way to, to deliver this program across the country and get some food and, and students. Yeah, and I think that there's there was a reason why we kind of took the approach that we did, which is mm -hmm. this is a food assistance program. Um, it's not a food bank, so obviously the immediate nature of yeah. having a food bank isn't there. But I think uh, for those students that are experiencing food insecurities, this is a great way of being able to say, let us let us help supplement, um, you know, mm -hmm. going to Safeway, going to Superstar, going to wherever, Walmart. And, and, and hopefully, uh, I totally see this program really taking off here. So um, I do you're too. absolutely right. I think that we've been able to pivot really well and sort of make sure that we continue to meet those needs. We have. And I mean, we tried really hard from the perspective of, of the student. Are we any different even though we're now working at home? And now it's it's a, a now virtually permanent thing where we're, we're going to be working from uh, in a virtual environment for the the near future at least past the pandemic and and how do we make it so that you know the traditional way the students contacted as i'm sure you can imagine we don't we don't get a lot of walk-in traffic back when we had an <laughs> office right like yeah your first thought dear dear listener was not like oh i gotta go visit a usc like there were i don't if, if i never had somebody come into the office <laughs> we're like hey someone just knocked on the door what's going on exactly here? yeah so but how do you contact us you contact us through a toll-free number you email us you enroll in one of the programs. You receive a newsletter in your inbox. We wanted to make sure that none of those processes um, were interrupted any more than we needed to. I mean, at first, yeah. on that magic day when we had to leave the office, we didn't have a solution for the phone, so we were like, "Yeah, we're just gonna. It's just gonna go to voicemail and we'll check it." But since that time, we've we've come up with you know an ad hoc solution, and now we're moving to a now permanent solution, which which means I get an app on my phone to answer the phone. And I, that sounds more complicated, but what it does mean is that when you dial that number and you need to contact me, you're going to enter in my extension and my cell phone will say, podcast listener yeah. 14 is calling you, Duncan. And I'll be like, perfect. A real human will pick it up. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and all the other methods that you access our services or you access your elected leadership, hopefully those were not interrupted any more than... You know, life does get in the way. I'm not going to, I mean, like I said, I don't answer my, I try not to think about work at 8 p.m. But all the same, hopefully our students haven't noticed a, a dip in their service. And and when we looked at our, our recent survey of, of our services, our students still gave us good marks on how are you doing on getting us LinkedIn learning? How are we doing at getting awards out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, on that note, I will throw just a, a again, maybe just to, to reiterate that. Um, for all of our student members, you get a hold of us the exact same way that you did before. Our mm -hmm. phone number is going to stay the same. Uh, our address is going to be changing. But uh, for the most part, our website still remains a fantastic resource uh, for all of our programs and services. You can find us at ausu.org. And, uh, you know, for the most part, nothing's really going to change. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and especially with AU moving to more of a near virtual environment for mm -hmm. their operations, it, it seems appropriate that we explore uh this as well and so the fact that uh AUSU is going to be moving to a near virtual environment as well for the foreseeable future um mm -hmm. it's going to be something that we're you know going to continue to evolve and and see what that looks like so um let's move on to another topic mm -hmm. uh and this is this is pretty fresh uh we just hosted another successful executive election and uh just have an absolute fantastic team coming we do board. Um, a bigger team, in fact. Yes. And so our AUSU Council elected four executive members to our team. And uh, to your point, it's a real milestone event for us. It is. Uh, for those of you that are unaware, 
your AUSU team has a council of up to 13 members uh, who are all students at AU. Uh, and of those 13 members, we have elected to date up to three executive counselors that are our president, our VP finance and administration, and our VP external and student affairs. Those three executive roles are essentially full-time and they work really closely with uh, myself and the rest of the staff, you included yep. Duncan, uh, to fulfill their portfolios. This year, however, 2021 to 2022 is going to be the very first time where we brought on a fourth member of the executive team mm -hmm. and they are the VP community and wellness. And so maybe what I'll do is I'll just maybe throw out who uh, was successful uh, yeah. in the roles and let everybody know who our new team is going to be. And, uh, and then we can maybe talk a little bit about that. Um, so first of all, uh, and again, our changeover happens in April, mid April. So, uh, these new team members, they're really going to take office at that time. And uh, our president, uh, who is our current president right now, is Stacey Hutchings. And so congratulations to her. She's done an amazing job uh, in her role so far. Uh, we have a new VP external, who is Karen Fletcher. We've got our VP finance and administration, who is Almagdad Aldoma, who's from here in Edmonton and mm -hmm. uh, is going to be continuing on in that role. And of course, our new role which is we've been playing around with different titles and stuff because it just seems like VP community and wellness seems like too much, but no, no, it's, it's the right amount. It's got the end just like our other vice presidents. Yeah, it's true enough. And uh, no. I tend to run with like VP Conwell or something like that. Yeah, well, so I don't know how it's going to necessarily shorten yet. We're, we're going to see how it goes. Yeah. But anyways, our new VP community and wellness is going to be Natalia Avonik and she's actually our current VPX. Yeah. And uh, has been doing a phenomenal job in that role. Um, it was actually stated in the election how amazing she's going to be mm -hmm. in this new role. Oh, no, she's a great inaugural person oh, for this. Agreed. We couldn't have asked for a better person to step mm -hmm. into this new position, eh? Yeah. No, I agree. And, and I mean, it's going to it's gonna make the vice president external role a lot more focused and a lot easier for a student to tackle. It had grown considerably. Yeah. I mean, the VP external right now is responsible for uh, overseeing communications to 40,000 people. They're responsible for building community inside AU. They're responsible for government relations to not just a provincial and federal government, but yeah. to all provincial governments in Canada. It's a heavy robust. Oh, it is. It is. Yeah. And it is really too much. And in a non-COVID world, it involves a great deal of travel as well. So we realized that this role had grown. And we had made some steps to, to make sure that our voice was heard in the corridors of power, as it were. And, and that just took their toll on, on how much time they're able to devote. And like Jody said, they're, they're full-time. They're not full-time times two. There are yeah. hours in the day that we need our VPX to, to sleep and recharge. So it was getting robust. Um, and we knew we wanted to do even more when it came to the community. Uh, like the Discord you had mentioned, that's a, it's an initiative that Natalia has brought over. But it takes time. It takes time to interact with students there and to give them a safe space and to, to provide leadership. So, yeah, we, we took a look at that role and we were like, is there enough here to make a fourth executive? And the answer was overwhelmingly yes. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think Natalia is going to be fantastic at it. I think we're going to be a better representative, especially for those groups who tend to be underrepresented in, in academic communities because of this, because we have a fourth executive to, to bring the viewpoint of the community to, to the table and still having that dedicated person to talk to government and to talk to uh, the administration. Yeah, it, it certainly speaks of, to the growth that we've mm -hmm. had within AUSU. And, and we've been talking about that for a couple of years, but boy, it just seems like this growth has really, um, you know, it's starting to spread the work that we're doing. And the fact now that our executive team is growing I think is a true reflection of, of where we where we were and where we're going. And so, um, like I said, uh, our new executive team is going to be taking over, uh, I believe it's April 21st. Mm -hmm. uh, and basically from that changeover, they've got a year to, to get down to work. And um, I, I believe a lot of the, the things that we're going to be working on, especially now that we're going to be hopefully, hopefully coming out of the end of the pandemic, Let's hope. is really about establishing some some maturity in the growth that we've had and, and I kind of look at I look forward to this group really kind of setting that foundation and, and going from there so they're going to have some amazing work ahead of them 
And, and so um, will you and I, let's not forget. Oh, like, geez, I mean, yeah. a new executive is a big moment at a student union. I, I yeah. know it sounds like we're just changing four faceplates, but it, there's a lot more that goes into it. Any organization that refreshes its leadership every year, you've got to get really good at orientating new people to yeah. an organization, introducing them to a culture and to operations that they're ultimately at the, the top of the food chain of and setting them up for success and, and for us, I mean, we feel this omnipresently, like that success has got to be contained within a 12-month period, right? And very few other organizations do they have to think so short-term and long-term simultaneously. Yeah, right exactly. I, I like For us to pitch something that won't come to fruition for four years, I mean, we got we to gotta work really hard to get buy-in for something like that. It's a lot easier to say, we'll do this and it'll probably succeed in a year. But there are some decisions that that do take years to do. So getting buy-in, creating strategic plans, but still making sure there's enough space for our student leaders to make their positions their own and for them to be accountable to, to, to you, whether that's through the election, which will happen in 2022, or to their student council that you just elected last year. Yeah, and I think, you know, we always refer to it kind of like a relay race, and this is an mm-hmm. analogy that I've used over and over and over again. Uh, and, it, and it's really both passing that baton from one group to the next or from one president to the next or one VPFA yep. to the next. And so as a student leader, when you're in an executive position like this, you have this amazing experience throughout the year. And then at the end of it, you essentially have to pass the baton on to the next person. And sometimes that means there's a handful of projects that you started that year. There's a few that maybe you picked up from the previous person and others that maybe started years before you and you were the person that got to cut the ribbon type thing. That's right. So you have all these different initiatives and projects that are happening within the students union or within this university environment that we work in. And yet our student leaders, because they change over so often, they sort of come in, start middle end. And it's really about just making sure that you pass that baton. And and for us, that's a big part of our role, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, the transition of our executive team from one year to the next is a, is a huge part of our organization. It is. To ensure that they can sort of hit the ground running and feel like they're informed. Feel like they're informed. Feel like that they have the space to become their own team. I think there's this perception, yeah. especially when you, you first consider running or if you were to look at our organization from the outside, you would imagine Al McDad sitting alone in his home with a calculator. Yeah, exactly. he's, he's typing in numbers and making sure they add up. And Natalia is currently talking to government but soon it'll be Karen. Whereas really, the four of them are going to become their own team. And it's, it's showing them like you're almost, your role isn't nearly as important as you be, being becoming a member of this team. I don't judge you individually. It's about how four, all four of you are going to come together and, and do some yeah. great things. And for us to show them that you're going to have way more success if the four of you are on the same page, you'll agree what that page says, and then we'll move forward. Well, and earlier we were talking about coaching. We were talking about mm-hmm. how important our culture here is and, and and being able to become experts in that change. Yeah. You know, how can we have an organization that's constantly changing and still thriving at the same time? And um, I 100% agree that them coming together and feeling like a team and, and being able to collaborate the way we do uh, is a huge part of why we've been successful. So um, can't agree more with that. Um, it also makes positions accessible for students. That's something else that's really important to us yeah. is we want to make positions that any student that wins the trust of fellow students could do. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's in, absolutely crucial to us that a student fill that role. Like we can't hire out president of this organization yeah. because our external stakeholders are all looking for a student voice. Uh, the law in some cases is saying it's got to be an elected student. Yeah. And and we just know that it's the secret sauce to making what our organization do special. The other thing I want to throw out there as well is that what a great mix we've got as well. Mm. And again, if I could have a student leader on the executive team from every province in, in the country, <laughs> I, I don't that know, would be, ten, be great. Oh, I guess, yeah, on council we could have that. <laughs> but basically we've got uh, the majority of students at AU do reside in Alberta and Ontario. Right. And we've actually got a, a 50-50 split on our executive team. So mm-hmm. um, if I'm a student and I'm in downtown Mississauga or – um, in Ottawa area where uh, Karen is from, you can know that you're going to have an executive leader that's going to be speaking on your behalf, being a voice that's having a similar experience to you as an Ontario resident 
versus uh, a student that might be an Alberta resident. And so, of course, we advocate for students across the country mm -hmm. in all the provinces and territories. And, of course, that's a huge priority of ours. Um, but the fact that our executive team can have some of that diversity as well is phenomenal. So, um, obviously, congratulations to all four of them. Uh, Stacy, Karen, El McDowell, and Natalia, we look forward to another great year with you uh, leading into 2022. And, yeah, hopefully that is minus a pandemic eventually. So... I certainly hope so too. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, Duncan, okay, we're gonna we're gonna pivot slightly again, and, uh, again. Okay, and uh, we're not gonna talk about how the Oilers beat up on the Flames or anything like that. You're dating this podcast because inevitably we're we're gonna kick your butt. You know, a week from now when our listeners are listening to this. Well, I don't know if I'm dating it because <laughs> I just I make a general statement just because I'm assuming that that's just gonna happen in the future as well. I mean, yeah. the reality is with the way the division is right now. I think it's at some point along the time it won't be too long back when we can remember when the Flames beat the Oilers and not too long back when the Oilers beat the Flames. Yeah, true story. Yeah. And for those that are listening, of course, Duncan is a diehard Flames guy. I am. And I respect you so much for that. And so is Al McDad. Yeah, you know what? He is. And That's right. We always enjoy a little bit of jabs every once in a while, but I'm a big Oilers fan. And um, we're going to get not personal. My questions for you were not like... Well, we're going to do some rapid fire between yes. the two of us. And we're yes, gonna, we are. We're going to have some fun. Do, do you want me to go first or do you want to no, go you, first? No, you go first. Okay. Well, these are these are in no particular order. Um, but we're just going to do a bit of, a little bit of rapid fire here and, and see what we come up here with so Mr. The, Duncan Wittas. So the format is, is you're going to ask me a question, but you're also going to answer your own question. I will. Yeah. Sure. And I'll do the same. Okay. Okay. So Which will be fun because it's the first time you've done rapid fire as as the receiver. True. On the podcast. Okay, a little bit of pressure. I like it. Yeah. Um, first one here, and I think that this might be easy, but just roll with it. If you could live anywhere, yeah, where would that be? Oh, it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. Um, okay, so I have an answer, but there are so many runners up, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, a small liberal arts university opens up in Canmore. Mm. And it's looking for someone to help its student association or student union there. I would love to live in Canmore. Um, but, of course, Canmore is a, a pricey place. So it's a mountain town uh, not too far off from Banff here in Alberta. I always love going. It's got great food. It's got great scenery. Yeah, we're it's both just, a Yeah, it's just got a great vibe. Um, I mean, hey, we are moving to a virtual environment. Who, who, who knows, See? dear listener? You never know. Yeah. You could be the newest resident <laughs> in Canmore. Um, what about you? Where would you live if you could? Okay, you know what? You're absolutely right that there's so many different levels of this. Yeah. I mean, if, if we're talking about just wave a wand and live somewhere, you know what? Throw me in the Dominican Republic and, mm. you know, living on a beach somewhere and, and just living a life down there. Um, as realistic as that might not be. Again, the pandemic and virtual environment. Who knows, Jody? True. I would say that there is probably one big requirement for me, and maybe that's even just a lake house on a lake mm -hmm. and, and doing that. And it could be literally anywhere uh, without snow would be helpful. But um, yeah, that's probably where I would go. Okay. Well, my, my question is actually remarkably similar. Okay. I'm ready. Mountains or beach? Oh boy, man. Love both. I know you do. And, and I do too. Um, do you know what? I mean, I'm not a huge fan of winter. <laughs> and so, you know, the beach for my wife and I is a novel thing because we just we don't get to experience it all that much. So if we do get to go somewhere, it's such a special moment to do that. I might have to lean towards beach, but man, I'm originally from the Kamloops area in BC and I got a lot of family out there. And so whenever I'm in the mountains, I kind of feel like I'm at home. So uh, I just totally wrecked that and gave you an answer for both. But um, <laughs> if I had to pick one, I might go beach. I think I'm similar, but it is, like, I mean, obviously I pick Canmore as where I would live, even though I think I'm going to say the same. I've been on, I've, I've binged on the tiki craze of the 1950s and 1960s during the pandemic. It's been yeah, one yeah. of my things that I occupy my time with, and, and I think I would love to to soak in an island when when, you know, the world is safer again. Why don't we just move to Hawaii and then we got the beach and the mountains right there. We have great drinks. <laughs> Hawaii is not free, but I mean, we can no, make a go that, of it. That's we not could. a criteria of the question. That's true. That's true. Um, okay. 
Is there anything that you were deathly afraid of? Yeah, snakes. Okay, and I'm asking you this because I know the answer. <laughs> but at the same time, it's hilarious. Because I don't know, when it's I funny. Say, <laughs> when I say, I put the word deathly in there. Yeah. Because, I mean... Like we're not fooling around here. Oh no no no! Really my, don't like uh, yeah no. My fear is is omnipresent and and visceral, right? Like I yeah I I, I mean I once had a work colleague whom I knew owned a snake, and and that's fine. Like I don't hate snakes. They they are a vital and important part of the ecosystem, and you know it, it's not hate. It's fear. And and at one point she came to my office and was like, "Hey, I want to introduce you to someone." And I began flipping out. It wasn't a snake, but it wasn't a person either, fortunately. Uh, and and I, I like started crawling the wall to escape. Like it is irrational and I react poorly. Yeah, I'm afraid of snakes. I wish I would have been there. Um, yes or no? Did you ever go? Why? Hey, whoa, whoa. What are you afraid of? Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Um, I got to be honest. And then it's my turn to ask a question. Okay. I, I am kind of <laughs> skipping the system here a little bit. Okay, so what am I? Am I deathly afraid of something? Oddly enough, I've got nothing that really comes to mind, but I am like I'm, you have that axe murdering dream. That is that is accurate, actually. <laughs> I have a random reoccurring dream where, yeah, there's a there's an axe murderer. But anyways, we're not going to get into that. Um, I mean, I'm not a huge fan of snakes, so I can definitely share that with you. Um, I don't even know if I've actually even held a snake, although I hear that it's amazing. Like they're so cool of an animal. But... I I have not. I, uh, I, that isn't, that is, that is not just a bridge too far. That's like a province too far. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like I'm not a huge fan of drowning, you know? So, I mean, although I love water, I love the ocean. I love being yeah. on there, but I don't know to say that I'm deathly afraid of something. I don't know. I just have a lot of things that are just not my preferences. Hmm. Snakes are definitely one of those. Well, I'll, I'll join you on that one. What kind of sound does a seal make? What kind of sound does a seal make? Yes. Yeah. It's, it's sort of a barking you're Show wanting me. me to do <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if our podcast listeners want me to, to jump into that realm of sound effects, but it's like, no, not going to do it. I just <laughs> it. I have no idea what it is. It could be anything right now. Like the sound is, it, of... is it a sound of a butterfly? No. 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 It's, it's more of like a barking, orking sound. So, so is it like woof? You're wanting to do this. I, I, rapid fire. I, mean, I, I don't make the rules. You do have to answer the question. I'm aware well. I do. I'm aware I do. I think it's something like... <laughs> Our neighbors are going to love us. They're going to be like, get out. Yeah. I can't wait for this move to be over. For a moment, I was actually taken to a beach with seals on it. <laughs> All right. That's a great question. And sorry for not participating. I think my own. <laughs> You're too self-conscious to our hundreds of listeners. Okay. I want to revert back to the previous question is what am I afraid of? Being asked to do steel <laughs> sound, sound effects on a podcast is now in my top three. Okay. Um, okay. A little bit shorter, mm -hmm. although short is not necessarily a requirement, but if you could be a superhero, yep. who would you be? Okay, my favorite superhero is Batman, but I don't, I don't, first of all, I don't wish for my dad to die. The prerequisite to being the Batman. Fair, fair. Um, I don't know. I mean, it'd be cool to be Deadpool. <laughs> <laughs> he's got the best sense of humor. He does, he does. Um, and he's Canadian. I mean, Ryan Reynolds is. Is Deadpool Canadian? Actually, no. I, think, I think the concept of Deadpool is actually a Canadian as well. So um, I'm going to say another Canadian superhero. I'm going to say the Wolverine. Really? Yeah. Nice one. Yeah. I, you've already got the facial hair for it. I don't know if I go that far, but yeah. Um, for me, it's got to be Superman. Ah, to Mary Sue. i got to be honest with you. He was one of the originals that came out and literally has... I'm all the powers. Say, I'm not going to say all of it, but he's... <laughs> I mean... The guy is just a beauty. He yeah. Can fly anywhere. You got the superhuman strength. You can. I mean, it's just. But you're not human. You can create ice cubes at will when you're sitting on the beach. <laughs> True. That's no, a good answer, and I, I imagine it's a popular answer. Yeah, Superman for me. All right. Are you good at keeping secrets? Yeah, I am actually. 
Yeah, I can be a bolt. Um, I'm also, you know, part of the criteria of being just a solid oak when it comes to secrets is my ego doesn't have to tell the secret to anybody else. I'm, I'm okay. My loyalty to the teller is more important than whatever attention I'm going to get by telling the secret to somebody else. Now, that doesn't mean that I haven't told secrets, but um, I, I would say that if someone's like, you know what, I want to confide in you and this really needs to just stay between us, I'm your guy. I'm not. Do you have a secret that you want to share with us right now? <laughs> I don't know if I do. I won't tell us. Uh, fair, fair. Um, <laughs> I would say on the whole, I'm not. I'm not good at keeping secrets. Um, obviously, if, if someone, especially someone I cared about, but it doesn't need to be someone I cared about, I'm going to tell you something and you can't tell anybody, and it's very clear why I'm probably not going to tell a soul. There's no point, right? Like, yeah. it's not entertaining, nor is it important for someone else to learn. If it's important for someone else to learn, um, I mean, on the whole, I would say this is a common tactic we get when we're talking to decision makers. And they'll be like, I'm going to tell you something. And you got to keep it a secret. And you can't tell anybody else. Yeah, yeah. And we're like, but then you're just talking to, you know, in our case, let's say, Stacy and Natalia, two people. You're no longer talking to the 40,000 students they represent. Telling us something with, and saying you can't tell anybody. It's like, well, do you want student opinion or not? Uh, yeah. We gather student opinion by talking about it with students, whether it's at council, in our newsletter. So on that front, I'm and formulating an opinion. Mm -hmm. I'm constantly confronted with decision makers. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that we're going to raise tuition by X instead of Y. And it's like, what do you want from me? Like, I, you're the one making the decision. If you want student yeah. feedback, you've got to let me talk about it and talk about it in our community and sell it if it's something that's successful and good. And and yeah, you got to risk it. Fight against it if it's something that's going to hurt students. Isn't it kind of funny that we're thinking about, like in your scenario, and this happens all the time. Oh, yeah. Where, where you've got Literally every single year. It's <laughs> like, okay, I'm going to tell all 30 of you student leaders something, but just keep it under your hat for a little while. <laughs> and it's like, what's worse? The fact that you're telling a bunch of students that are going to want to go and share that with their colleagues, mm -hmm. or the fact that you're actually telling us something that shouldn't be told to us in the first place. So, yeah, um, or it should be told, and it should be told to everybody, yeah. which is another very real thing of like, like why is this a secret? Yeah, if we want to socialize the topic, mm -hmm. let's just socialize the topic and be okay with that. Mm -hmm. um, I do have one more question for you. All right, I'm ready. Um, do you have a useless talent? Oh, I'm sure I do. Um, I mean, I also have a lot of <laughs> not talents that would be useful. <laughs> like, I can't whistle. I'm, I can't keep a beat. That's the opposite of what you asked. Those would be useful for me to have and I don't have. Um, what am I good at that, like, is completely irrelevant? I'm sure I do, Jody. I'm sure I do. Well, you just mentioned mine. I could, do you want me to go with well, it? Well, I know you were an amazing whistler, if that's what you're going to go because with. Because that is mine, 100%. Yeah. yeah. I, I can whistle like nobody, and yet it has to be the most useless talent I've got. I will say, in a world where the entire universe is at everyone's fingertips at all times. I'm strangely good at trivia. Oh my god. Which in like the 1980s was really cool. It does come in handy though every once in a while. But rarely. If I, if I need an answer to something and it's like random, I'm like, hold on, I'm going to ask Duncan Hill. Yeah, and if I'm not there, you're like, or it can take 23 seconds longer and look it up on Google. <laughs> just, just yeah. It's so funny though, because we'll be like, and it doesn't matter where I am. I could be working, I could be in the office, I could be at home, I could be on my own, I could be on the golf course, mm -hmm. I could be fishing. I will. I whistle songs from beginning to end, <laughs> and every once in a while, like whether it's a family member or my wife, they'll be like, "Like you literally just whistled, you know, Abba's Dancing Queen from the beginning of the song through the verses and choruses and to the end." And even if it's like a Bon Jovi song, like I'll whistle the guitar solo. Like it makes no sense to me why I do this. <laughs> so unfortunately, it, it definitely falls into the category of useless, but. It's, uh, it's my way of entertaining myself, I guess. Which would you rather face? A miniature hippopotamus or a giant cockroach? In this scenario, both are in a bad mood. 
Oh, I would take a miniature hippopotamus. Yeah, so sure. would I. So would I. I'm. I'm not. I'm not like. I'm not like snake grossed out by bugs, but I'm. I'm like. Eh, not my thing. Especially when it's like I don't want a big one of those either. No, no, I don't want a big one, and I secretly think, I I could tame the hippo. Like like, if given the right set of circumstances, you, I I could make it seem. Or you can outrun it. Or you can. No, you can't. Oh no, good. Have you not seen videos? Hippos are incredibly dangerous. Maybe how miniature are we talking about? They're like roughly the same size. So in the scenario, like okay, because I'm thinking like a little shake and bake. You can like outmaneuver it. Thinking more like 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 a the size of a husky. You know what? I still pick the hippo. Yeah, and I would too. Um, but like seriously, hippos are no joke. They are they are deadly creatures. Absolutely. Um, And cockroaches are not. Like, I mean, this is they're not clean, some, but they're they're not. have some stats, like some hippo stats about how many people die from hippopotamuses every We should do that. Year. We should do that. I don't know. Will my computer do that and record the podcast? You know, no, we'll, uh, we'll bring that for all of our listeners uh, <laughs> in our next episode. You know what, Duncan, this has been a blast. We have been wanting to do the AUSU Open Mic podcast takeover and the fact that we've uh, just burned some time here. Uh, <laughs> You're now looking at your... I am 500 deaths a year from hippopotami. Really? Yeah. And nice use of the plural form of hippopotamus. I mean, you could have just ran with hippos. The world's deadliest large land mammal. Isn't that something? Yeah. Do you know what? I still take that over a huge... <laughs> me, too. me too. Me too. Me too. I did. Yeah. Uh, you know what? On that note, uh, once again, thanks for joining me and hanging out with me today. Uh, it's been a blast. Yeah, thanks, Jerry. And um, for all of you listeners, uh, definitely let us know if there's some topics that you want us to hit here on the on the podcast. Stay in touch with us. Uh, we definitely want to see you. And if you're the ones uh, working from home or you're studying from home and all those distractions and motivations and all those things that we talked about today, uh, definitely reach out to the AU Students Union. We'd love to be there for you and support you through that. And if you can... Engage with us anytime. Absolutely. We've got some virtual events through our AUSU Nights uh, Mm -hmm. events that are happening. We're pretty active on social media. Yeah. Those events are every second Thursday of the month. And uh, throw it on your calendar and stop by. We'd love to see you. And, uh, I mean, we give away cool prizes. We do give away prizes. And uh, swag and all kinds of stuff. So, um, like I said, definitely engage with us. And uh, we'd love to get to know you and, uh, and see if there's a way that we can make your AU experience a little bit better than it currently is. So, um, once again, I'm Duncan Matasic. We've got Duncan with us. My name is Jody Campbell. I'm your executive director. And thanks a lot for listening to AUSU Open Mic. Have a good one.